For the week of March 7th, 2017, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Stephen Cox. Hello. On the show this week, we talk again with the strangers, Rich Smith, about the Pramila Jayapal Town Hall that happened on Monday. Then we speak with Colin Jurgens. He is the communications director for Fuse, a Washington State-based progressive advocacy organization. We talk with him about the ways that Fuse has been working alongside the Indivisible Movement. First, though, we welcome now writer Rich Smith, who writes about local politics, among other things, for the Seattle weekly paper, The Stranger. Hello, Rich. Hi. How are you? I'm good, man. So you posted an article in The Stranger on March 7th as a follow-up to the coverage that you've been posting of town halls here in the state, particularly about members of Congress who have been unwilling to hold town halls. Uh, On Monday night, you attended one by somebody who was not afraid to hold one, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal. Uh, Her event was, appropriately enough, at Town Hall in Seattle, uh, as Jayapal's district encompasses most of the city. Um, First of all, just give us an idea of what the mood was like at the event. The mood was really... Everyone's fired up. Uh, People seem to be really excited to be there. Um, there was a lot of vigorous nodding and mm-hmm <laughs> and like whispers below the breath of uh, uh, affirmation. Um, it was people seemed, uh, you know, that the Muslim ban 2.0 had just come out uh, earlier that day. The um, details were emerging about um, the Republican replacement for the ACA. And right. people had a lot of questions and a lot of worries. And, you know, Congresswoman Jayapal strolled out on stage in a red blazer and just kind of carried herself with all the charm of a happy warrior. And that seemed Mm. to get people kind of fired up to resist, but and then also kind of put them at ease. It felt a little bit like a kind of, I don't know, a happy hour or a mid-evening Xanax or, you know, for (laughs) for some that were concerned. Um, But it it felt really more like a Pramila rally than a, than a town hall where, um, you know, of the kind we've seen at, um, at in Republican districts where people are shouting and yelling at, uh, at Jason Chaffetz, for instance. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, did, and I did watch a little bit of the Facebook feed uh, of it, and it very much seemed like she was throwing a lot of, uh, I guess what you call red meat to the crowd, or in this case, it'd be like blue meat, I guess would maybe be uh, a more appropriate uh, metaphor there. So what did she have to say specifically about the ACA replacement proposal from the Republicans that was released on Monday. I know she uh, addressed it and then was also asked about it. Yeah, um, she said that she's still going to fight to um, to introduce legislation for single payer health care. She doesn't think that any um, uh, health care legislation is going to be sufficient unless it's basically Medicaid um, or Medicare for all. And she mentioned a um, signing on to, oh, I forget the exact name and number of the resolution, but it's basically the Medicare <laughs> for All Act, um, right. which, uh, uh, which was introduced in, in 2015 and has been since languishing in subcommittees. But, the, but you know, that, basically that's her, her line is that, um, uh, that we, we need single payer um, and that's the only way forward. Yeah. And she also seemed to stress like it was a fight that the Democrats could win. That, that's right. She also gave a kind of um, uh, a practical solution there. When she, she had mentioned four Republicans, senators who had right. uh, uh, written a letter of concern about uh, cuts to, uh, to Medicaid in 
in the in the new plan and and kind of vaguely pointed to house republican chatter of of concern too so yeah it doesn't seem like they maybe have the votes to carry it out and she uh is kind of poking at that tender spot um she serves on the house judiciary committee which could take on the issue of trump's conflicts of interest uh, and that's also been an area of big concern for people on the left in progressive uh, movement. What did she have to say about that? Yeah, someone got up and asked uh, how she can use her role in the Judiciary Committee to steer Congress toward an independent investigation of Trump's conflicts of interest. Basically, the subtext there is, what are you going to do to impeach Trump? And uh, she <laughs> basically, uh, even though she's in the she, she's in the minority, so she can't do much except for sign on to what the minority opinion might be, or to sort of push her for the minority opinion. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she said that she supports Jerry Nadler's resolution, uh, congressman from uh, New York, mm-hmm. that basically puts forward a uh, a resolution of inquiry and asking for Congress to address these uh, these issues. Uh, I think the the latest on that is that the Republicans want to subcommittee that resolution to death, too. But, you know, she's in support of it. She's coming out in support of it. So she's also on the subcommittee on immigration and border security. Um, she's really established herself just enormously quickly after only two months in office uh, in Washington. Uh, she, I think, mentioned at the rally that she herself is an immigrant, that she came from India at the age of 16. She's the first Indian American as well as the first woman from District 7. That got a <laughs> that got a pretty rousing cheer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and as we know, on Monday, the Trump White House uh, released its revised travel ban uh, executive order. Uh, I know Bob Ferguson, uh, attorney general here in the state, has weighed in on it, saying that the new scaled back version of the order was basically a capitulation. Um, do we have any indication of how it's going to affect us here in the state? But the short answer is not yet. Um, yeah, as you said, um, his response so far has been, first, this is a capitulation by the Trump administration. They're basically admitting fault uh, that the first executive order was uh, a failure. And second, um, it seems clear to him that the the new Muslim man 2.0 does discriminate on the basis of religion. He's just not sure how that's directly going to affect Washington residents yet. But he still seems interested and invigorated by the issue. Yeah, he he called it, uh, I think the quote was, this is a very significant victory for the people of the state of Washington. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's been interesting uh, to see the national role that the, the state has played against Trump. Actually, in many ways, the city of Washington and the city of Seattle in particular seem to be quite the thorn in the side of the uh, Trump administration. So That's right. Uh, Hopefully we can become a whole giant thorny bush. <laughs> yeah, well, great metaphor, man. All right. Thank you so much as always, Rich Smith. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Time now for this week's call to action. But uh, before I get to that, uh, let's have a little good news. First, we've been doing that, and uh, it occurs to me I probably need to come up with a name for this segment. And I am taking suggestions, so hit me up. So, 
First, Democrats have won three out of four special elections that have been held since the inauguration, one in Delaware, one in Connecticut, and one in Minnesota. And the one that the Republicans won was actually just by a razor-thin margin in a very red county in Virginia. Next, the Department of Homeland Security has told the White House that it can only allocate $20 million to Trump's proposed wall. And that wall has a projected price tag of over $20 billion. Uh, Also, I want to give a special shout out to our own governor, Jay Inslee, for issuing an executive order to protect all Washingtonians against any federal action, regardless of their citizenship or legal status. Very proud of our state. And finally, as Rich just mentioned, it is looking like the Republican proposed ACA replacement may not have the votes. And further, if you dare to peek at cable television, and (laughs) Godspeed to you if you do, the GOP seems pretty conflicted about the bill, with three senators in particular, uh, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, and Mike Lee, all saying that it is not sufficiently conservative. Now, for this week's call to action, and it is directly related to that, call our senators and your representative and ask him or her to protect the Affordable Care Act by doing a couple of things. First, ask them to demand a Congressional Budget Office score on the proposal before it can proceed. This would reveal just how many people would lose coverage, something that would likely make the bill pretty politically unpopular. Oh, and if your representative is a Republican, ask him or her to join a growing number of fellow Republicans who are currently rejecting the bill. Oh, and you can mention that an Urban Institute analysis estimates that some 775,000 Washingtonians could lose coverage if the ACA is even partially repealed. And those people, you know, vote. Matt is this week's call to action. Our guest this week is Colin Jurgens. He is the communications director for Fuse, which bills itself as the largest progressive organization in the state. Colin has a master's in communications, culture, and technology from Georgetown University, uh, which is in Washington, D.C., and after completing the program, he went to work for the first Obama campaign. So uh, before we talked about his work with Hughes, uh, I had to ask him if he had any good war stories. Turns out he does. Uh, and it was one that happened after he was sent to a campaign office in Colorado Springs. A couple days uh, after I arrived, they, they hadn't actually decided where they wanted me to work yet. So I, I didn't have a lot to do. And uh, my boss came to me and said, hey, uh, turns out that uh, Senator Obama is actually coming into town tomorrow. Uh, would you be willing to uh, help with the event? And I said, of course, that's an honor. And uh, and he said, great, we actually need somebody to drive in the motorcade. So, oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> okay. This is going to be something. So what they did is they gave me a, a big white van, a windowless van to drive around right in the middle of the motorcade. And uh, they only give you two instructions to drive in the motorcade. Uh, the first instruction is to drive as fast as possible. And, you know, this is not what they teach you in driver's ed. It's the opposite, right? Yeah. It's the opposite. So drive as fast as possible. And then the second instruction is to stay as close as possible to the car in front of you. Wow. So once again, the, the opposite of your normal driving techniques. Um, but it makes sense for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, when you have the motorcade, uh, you know, you have a police escort everywhere. So you don't stop at stop signs. You don't stop at stoplights. Uh, you just keep going as fast as you possibly can. And 
The second reason uh, that they want you to stay very close is that they never want to leave enough space between the cars in the motorcade for someone else to cut in line. Wow. So, you, so you actually want to stay within one car length of the car in front of you, even when you're going 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, uh, frequently down, you know, arterials in the middle of the city. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. Very exciting. So they stuck me in a windowless white van with uh, uh, driving around Robert Gibbs, the for, or the future uh, White House press secretary, who right. was very gracious and uh, was used to my white knuckle driving uh, by the end of the day. <laughs> uh, Wow, that's uh, that's that's really exciting. That's something you can put on your resume, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about Fuse. Um, tell us a little bit about its history first. How did it get started? Yeah, that's a good question. So Fuse was founded in 2007. This is our ten-year uh, anniversary this year, and uh, we're part of the Progress Now Network, which is a network of about 22 state-based progressive advocacy groups around the country. And the first one was formed in Colorado in, I want to say, 2004. And they had a lot of early success. And so other uh, states around the country started to take notice of that model. And we were largely um, based off of their model of being a progressive advocacy group with a, a focus on online communications. And that's how we started. We built a big email list, big social media following. Um, but over the years, we saw that we needed to grow beyond just being a communication shop, to include uh, grassroots organizing in communities around the state if we really wanted to make progress on the issues and campaigns we cared about. So over the last 10 years, we've grown to a staff of 15. And while we're based in Seattle, we have organizers that work in Spokane, in Pierce County, in East King County, and uh, soon uh, South King County around Federal Way. All right, so you're all across the state. Um, I'm very curious to know how Trump's election, which was completely a game changer for so many people, how it affected uh, you guys in particular. Um, talk, if you will, a little bit about some of the things that you are doing specifically at Fuse to push back against the Trump GOP agenda onslaught. Yeah, well, I think like most folks, uh, we were not expecting uh, – that Trump would win. We were not expecting that this is this would be our world right now. Right. So we did not have some comprehensive uh, Trump resistance playbook in our back pocket for November 9th. I don't think anybody did. Yeah. And so. so so we have we have been uh, to some extent making it up as we go along, um, fueled by this incredible energy uh, out there, incredible enthusiasm that folks are showing. I mean, people that have never been involved in politics before are just coming out of the woodwork and saying, right. I want to make a difference. I want to do something about this. So I would say that one of the biggest things we've been doing is just trying to give people the tools and give people the opportunities to make their voice heard, uh, whether that's organizing a rally or organizing a town hall or even just a community meeting for folks to uh, get to know uh, their friends and neighbors who are also interested in resisting the new administration. And, you know, when we can provide a venue and when we can provide some facilitation, people just show up and, and take it and run with it. it it's remarkable to, to see everything that's happened in the last six weeks. I, I've certainly never experienced anything like it. And, uh, you know, even in 2008 with the Obama campaign, there was a lot of grassroots en energy, but 
um, this is this is on a whole other level. Well, I think it's because with the Obama campaign, I think people had the uh, the feeling that they were going to change things for the positive, and now people are playing defense um, in a big way. I think people are just really freaked out about everything that's happening, and so it's gotten a lot of people off the sidelines and into the game, and in many cases into the indivisible movement. So let's talk about the way in which Fuse works with some of the various indivisible groups across the state. Yeah, we've been in close contact with the the local indivisible groups in many communities. Um, And it's been, again, just remarkable to see people organizing themselves and their neighbors uh, in in ways that that we've never seen before. Uh, And not just in Seattle, not just in Olympia, but in small towns and communities across the state, I actually was uh, exchanging Facebook messages with the leader of the uh, Lake Taps Indivisible Group. Mm. Uh, not exactly a liberal hotbed. No, it isn't. Yeah, that's right down in Pierce County, which I think went for Trump, or at the very least had a much higher percentage of people voting for Trump. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, but you see these small organic groups popping up all over the place. Uh, so we have a we have a good working relationship with with um, indivisible groups across the state, and I think that the role that that we can play is to provide some of the logistical support, uh, you know, to to find uh, a meeting space that can accommodate 100 or 200 or 500 people, and to you know help uh, organize some speakers or maybe work through an agenda, and then. Um, work with the local indivisible groups to see who's interested in coming. And as we put on these events, um, so much of it is happening through social media. Right. Uh, people are inviting their friends and sharing things, and it just takes off. We see hundreds of people attending these these events, and you know they've never heard of Fuse. They're not coming because we recruited them or we're pounding the phone banks. They're coming because of these grassroots uh, networks of folks like Indivisible that are spreading the word and uh, getting their friends and neighbors engaged. Yeah. And in fact, the first time that I had heard about Fuse was at the February 23rd rally in Issaquah protesting Dave Reichert's unwillingness to hold the town hall with his constituents. The event was very well coordinated. It featured a couple speakers sharing their stories about their ACA coverage. There was somebody from the service workers union who got the crowd revved up. There was a loudspeaker. Uh, he led the crowd in chants, and then uh, he led the way up the hill to Reichert's office. Is all of that something that Fuse coordinated? Yes, we worked with a uh a number of different progressive organizations from labor unions to, um, you know, faith advocacy groups, environmental groups, you know, Planned Parenthood. And I think getting back to what I said before, that a really important role that the groups like Fuse or uh, the Service Employees International Union can play is providing a little bit of that logistical support, some of that structure um, so that people can make their voice heard. Yeah, structure is important because sometimes you'll have a bunch of people who have taken time off work to show up at a rally. They're really charged up. There's a ton of energy, but there's no leadership and nobody really knows what to do. Uh, The Issaquah event, like I say, was very well coordinated. Also, I should mention it got great media coverage. It was covered by locally by the Seattle Times, a stranger, KUOW. I know of those, but it was even mentioned nationally on uh, it was it got a big uh, shot on Daily Coast. And then Rachel Maddow even opened her show with it. Did you 
coordinate the press on your end? Was that something that Fuse was responsible for? Yes, uh, Fuse in particular was the uh, lead on, on uh, press outreach for this event. So I'm, I'm proud of the work that we did there. You but... should be, man. That was really <laughs> great. National attention for an event in Issaquah. Rachel Maddow even had to learn how to say the, the word Issaquah. She said it wrong, but... Uh... Yeah, but you know, when we get a thousand people to show up to a rally in Issaquah, my job is very easy. Uh, Rachel mm. Maddow would not have covered that event if 50 people showed up. Right. Uh, I promise you. So it's work of, of groups like Indivisible to share this with their friends and neighbors and to do the turnout um, that really makes these events work. You guys also coordinated a town hall event in absentia uh, for Kathy McMorris Rogers, one of the uh, other four Republican representatives here in Washington. And that was in Spokane. Uh, how'd that go? That was another incredible event. And I'll just give you a little background on that. Um, we have an organizer over in Spokane who um, kind of facilitates a volunteer council um, for FUSE. And uh, they have been encouraging Representative Kathy McMarsh Rogers to hold a town hall uh, during the recess week. We've been trying to get some, some face-to-face time with her so that her constituents can come and ask questions and make their voice heard about all these important issues that are coming up in the press every day. And during recess week, uh, volunteers actually delivered a giant invitation to a town hall signed by 800 people saying, please come to a town hall, meet with us, listen to us. Uh, She would not do it. So they decided to put on their own town hall, uh, people's town hall, as they called it. And after a little more negotiation, they actually got uh, three uh, staff members from her office to attend. They delivered a statement and they took notes. They would not answer any questions or engage with the crowd, but we did appreciate that they they showed up, if nothing else. Yeah. And uh, it was an incredible event. We had about 810 people show up on a Tuesday night uh, to provide testimony and to ask questions and to uh, really deliver a powerful message to uh, Representative McMorris Rogers' staff. Uh, about things like protecting the Affordable Care Act, protecting funding for Planned Parenthood, and rejecting any ban on uh, Muslims or immigrants. Did she respond in any way? Uh, do, do you know if the Congresswoman said anything about the event? I have not heard any response from her about the event. Um, it was also uh, covered widely in local press, so I'm confident she uh, she saw. I'm sure she knew about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about some of Fuse's other agenda items from the web page, and that is that uh, you work with state government to help get more progressive candidates uh, into you know into seats Uh, in the state senate right now. It's essentially split. I think the Republicans have a one-seat advantage. Uh, There is a special election coming up in the 45th district. I'm curious to know, are you doing anything with that particular election? Are you working with a candidate? Yes. The 45th uh, district special election is going to be one of our top priorities this summer and fall, and we're already uh, laying the groundwork for that on the east side. Uh, Like you said, our state Senate uh, is controlled by the Republicans. They have a mere one-seat majority, uh, whereas our state House has a a one-seat Democratic majority. And so if we are able to win this seat, we would flip control of the state Senate and open the door to passing uh, many other uh, progressive policies that have been 
caught up in the stalemate in, in Olympia. Uh, unfortunately, our state legislature has not been much more functional than Congress regularly here in the mm. last few years. And that's obviously frustrating. Uh, and so we are optimistic about our chances to, to flip this seat. There's a great candidate running, uh, a progressive named Manka Dingra, and uh, we're going to be doing a lot of work there in uh, the 45th district, which kind of stretches from Redmond around Sammamish to the edge of Issaquah and a little bit to the northeast there. So when you say you're doing work, you specifically mean what? You're coordinating events? I assume that you're doing work online, social media, that kind of thing? We'll be doing online outreach, absolutely. I would say the bread and butter of our work in these uh, local legislative races is primarily grassroots organizing. And what we look to do is identify volunteer leaders in specific neighborhoods or in, in uh, small cities and towns who can be our point person there and then recruit other people from their, from their neighborhoods to uh, join them and organize phone banks, knock on doors. And we think that is really effective because then it's neighbors talking to neighbors. It's not people right. from news coming in and telling people how to vote. It's people actually going and knocking on the doors along their street in their neighborhood and saying, hey, I live down the street and I think that Moncadigra is great for state senate and here's why. Uh, and so building out that real grassroots organizing model is uh, I think the key to our success there. Well, Colin Jurgens, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show, and thank you to Fuse for all the the great work that they're doing. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, chance to uh, join you, and uh, we really appreciate all the work that uh, folks from Indivisible have been doing around the state. It's making such a difference. And that is it for this week's Washington State Indivisible podcast. As always, I thank you for listening. If you want to contact the show, please do. I always love to hear from you. The email address is WashingtonIndivisiblePod at gmail.com. Again, it is WashingtonIndivisiblePod at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. To learn more about the show, go to GetCreativeMedia.com. Thank you again to Colin Jurgens and the strangers Rich Smith. And thank you, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.